Father, as we come this morning to open your word together, we ask, Lord, that you would open our hearts through your Holy Spirit, draw us close to you, strengthen our walk with you this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. the opportunity this morning to speak on the idea about what our our bylaws say about the kingdom of God. We believe in the kingdom of God and and the second coming of Christ and all that ties with that. And uh, some of the songs this morning really really emphasize the fact we're one of the phrases, children of heaven. That's who we are, children of the kingdom of God. We rest in Christ, that's who we are. And... I was trying to think of ways to approach uh, the subject and, and try to keep it brief. I doubt that will happen. But uh, the, the reality is, is that we're focusing on, on the King of God and, and, and uh, uh, the Kingdom of God, I should say, this morning. In, in chapter 6, uh, verse 33 tells us that we should be seeking the, the, the kingdom of God. Um, do I have that right? If I could just find it in line. I was trying to... The, the idea is, is Jesus was talking about not being anxious for the things of the world and, and the things that you, th- you believe that you need and... And he says, but first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. By the way, we can't leave that picture out of it. Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Keep that in mind. And all these things will be added unto you. And in the context of all these things, he's talking about all the things that we will need to accomplish his purpose for us. What I need to accomplish my purpose is not necessarily the same thing you need to accomplish your purpose. And I've heard some really interesting uh stuff over the last few weeks uh, that was uh, shared with me in reference to someone who was listening to a, a, a speaker who was, was basically claiming, you know, uh, Jesus was actually really wealthy. Uh, the reason we know this was because of the, 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 the uh, undercloak that he had that was seamless and that they cast lots for and didn't tear up or, or divide themselves normally you know, because it was such a valuable piece. And uh, it was a reflection of, of his wealth. And we should be wealthy. And, and we all have, you know, this aspiration to be. And I, I, it just went on and on and on. And, and I, I started, you know, I said, wait a minute. What about, you know, this stuff that says we're going to have some struggles and we're going to have conflicts and trials and tribulations? And, and he said, well, yeah, but, but, but once we're a part of the kingdom of heaven, that, that's all past us. I will agree there is a point in the kingdom of heaven where that's all passes, but it's not now. Right now, our responsibility is to seek the kingdom of God. And we sang to a couple of songs that were basically saying whether the, the thing, like peace like a river or, or, or sea billows blow, it doesn't matter. I will rest in God and I'll be at peace with him no matter what the circumstances. And to do that, we must seek him out. We must seek his kingdom. Not only be saved, but to seek him. And, and I, and I want to just emphasize this this morning, is this idea, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And I was, as I was thinking about that, and I, and, I, and I was gathering stuff and putting all this stuff, and, I, and then I realized, in order to seek the kingdom of God, you need to know the king. You, can't, you, you, can't, you won't want to seek the kingdom of God if you don't know the king. Um. I knew things about the kingdom of God. I had been told things about the kingdom of God. Uh, I'd even heard some things about the kingdom of God as, as, as a person prior to becoming a Christian. didn't mean a thing to me. I, I took it in a general context and just said, well, yeah, there, you know, the kingdom of God is heaven, period. You know, and, and some afterthought you know, of, of, of what this world is, if there is a heaven. 
I didn't even you know, have a confidence of that. In fact, I, my idea was if there is a heaven, I'm as good as anybody else. I'll probably be there. Um, shows you what little I knew. And obviously, I didn't know the king. And so this morning, I thought, you know, I, the world has different ideas. I guess what I was trying to say is the world has different ideas about who the king is or what they think about the king. And you look around in our culture today, uh, we're actually making more and more, uh, boy, I'm cautious how I say this, politically correct rules about what Christians shouldn't do uh, in the sense of how we acknowledge our faith and, we're, and, and, and different things. And uh, as a result, uh, we have people who don't know anything about, really, Christianity anymore. That, didn't, that wasn't always the case. I grew up knowing something about it, but I, I'm under beginning to find, that, and, and, and the things that I'm reading are, are confirming, that there's a pe- there are people in our country who grow up basically ignorant of things about Christianity and, and the Word of God. And so, again, to start with this idea of how the world reacts and, and what's going on, and, and what came back to mind was a psalm that's very familiar to, to all of you. I had Brad read that for the scripture reading this morning. The, the psalm is somewhat harsh in the sense that it speaks very directly to those who don't follow after God. Uh, it, it has, they have a very harsh, dramatic ending. Uh, and it's, it's, it's very direct, but it's psalm number two. By the way, we know this is a psalm in reference to the Messiah, thanks to Paul uh, clarifying that for us in Acts 13, uh, uh, I think it's 33, but in a, uh, he made a comment about this. Uh, in the second psalm it says, and it re- quotes part of it in reference to Christ. And so this is considered a messianic psalm, a psalm written about the Messiah. Listen to it again as, as, as I read it this, uh, again this morning. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds and cast away their cords from us. Now, take the picture of that. This is the world of, of, of leaders and the kings of the world, if you will, Taking counsel together, not any counsel from God, counsel together. And, and, and they're basically saying, no, shaking their fist at God and saying, we won't have your rules. We won't have your, 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 the things that bind us. It's like the idea of, of, of the hobble that, that keeps a horse from running in a, in a field when, when he's in open pasture and you don't want him to run great distances away, you hobble the horse and it's a way of tying up the, the rear legs to keep him from running. He can walk, but he can't run. And that's what they're referring to. We want to run, be free, do it our way. And as we take counsel with one another, we are all in agreement with this. This is what is right. This is what our rights are. And they shake their fist at God and they're saying, we don't want any of those things that would slow us down from having what we want. I believe that's the condition of the world today as well. It's the condition of the world that's always been since the fall. I don't, I don't want the, 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 any of the boundaries that might come with God. In fact, the majority of people that I know, and it was including myself before I was a Christian, who, who look at Christianity uh, do so with the idea of, of thinking it's a bunch of, of, of rules, of things you cannot do. And I've seen churches that, that really get caught up with the ideas of what you cannot do. They even make new rules just to make sure you can't break the, 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 the serious rules. Uh, we, don't, we don't drink or, or play cards or dance or, or uh, you know, uh, watch television or go to movies because you know, those things just open us up to be in places and situations where we're, we're, we'll be prone to sin. And so, in a sense, for some many, for many, those in, the, in themselves became sin. It sounds like the Pharisees, doesn't it? Uh, you know, making all sorts of rules against, kind of to protect us from the law. Here's the law of God. Let's put a yellow light around it 
so that we won't even get close to it. And then the yellow light becomes the red light and becomes the, the sin. And all of a sudden you have a, a somebody say, well, it was said to me as I was handed a deck of cards. I think I've shared this with you before. I was, I was set up. Uh, the, it was one of the elders in the church I bought supplies from, and he had a deck of cards. He said, this is a salesman gave me these. He said, do you have any need for them? I said, sure. And I put them in my pocket. And he started, as I'm walking out the door, he says, you play cards? And he sat me down for half an hour to talk to me about gambling and cards and, and, and tarot and cards and, and, and telling the future with cards and all the things that are bad about cards. And he basically explained to me that that was something Christians didn't do. It took me a while to, you know, I, I never was able to figure out why, and I think the reason was is because I don't think there's a scripture about it. Uh, a good friend of mine, uh, well, not a good friend, a great teacher of mine, uh, Dallas Meserve was uh, a person who was part of a church at one point that didn't play cards, and and uh, he 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 moved away to become a professor at the Bible college that I went to and stuff, and and a friend of his showed up out of his past uh, unannounced at his house. They happened to be in town, and he just came by to see him. And he walked into a bridge party, <laughs> and, and he was telling, you know, he just came unglued that, that, that Dallas had, was, was possibly slipping away from the Lord. Um, we can make all sorts of rules. And that's what the world kind of sees sometimes is they see Christianity as a bunch of don'ts, God is a big policeman kind of thing, and I don't, I don't want anything to do with it is what they're saying. But most of all, they're saying we want to make our own decisions. We want to go our own way, and therefore we were, we're in control. And the next three verses, it's like a, a three-part play that we're going to go through here. The next, the next verses take us from earth to heaven. He who sits in the heavens laughs. As he sees man shaking his king, he laughs. Now, this isn't a laughter of, 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 of joy or anything, but laughs in a sense of, oh, how silly, stupid can you be? The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath. In other words, the idea of judgment and terrify them in his fury, saying, as for me, I've set my king on Zion, my holy hill. Now, think about this. These guys are talking about who's in charge and they're going to be in charge and they're going to have the authority. And the God of heaven looks down and says, you don't get it. I've already set my king. It's already done. I've already put him in place. I've set my king on Zion, my holy hill. And then verse 7 takes a swish. We're still in, in heaven, but it's a different per person speaking. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you're my son. Today I have begotten you. It's Jesus speaking. The Lord has said to me, I am his son. I have begotten you. The idea of begotten here, I'm not going to go into great details. It has nothing to do with physical uh, birth in the sense of procreation. It simply has the idea of relationship uh, in, in reference to Jesus Christ, the, the Son of God, the position that he is in in the sense God the Father, God the Son. Uh, the Son chooses to be in submission to the Father, but yet they are equal. Uh, and he, is, he says, I have begotten you. I have put you in that place of firstborn. You know what a firstborn is within the framework of of, of, of God's eyes in, 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 in old history as well, is the one that gets the inheritance. And so he's in the, the primary position. And he says, and this is what he, 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 the, he says, I, the Lord said this to me, ask of me and I will make your nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and, and dash them in pieces like a pot, uh, potter's vessel. That's what God said to the Lord Jesus. And this is what Paul makes clear in Acts chapter 13. This is what God said about Jesus. Jesus is repeating it here. This is what's been said of me. Uh, you are the one that's in, the, in, in, the, in the position of inheritance. You have the nations as your heritage. Earth is your possession. And, and you will rule them. You'll actually even bring judgment. 
That's who's in control. So here you have the world shaking their fist at God. You have God saying, no, my king's already been appointed. And, 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 and this is, he is the one that will inherit it, everything. You guys are never in that position. And it's a done deal. It's, it's, there's no argument. There's no debate. God's not taking counsel on this. Okay? It's done. The king is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And what has been shared several times now uh, from the, the book of Philippians uh, is in, in, in chapter 2 is that picture of Jesus where he actually submits in, into the sense of, of setting his equality with God aside. It says he made himself nothing, making the form of, taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of the death, the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is King. He is Lord. And I was looking at these thoughts and, and trying to say, you know, just, just, just the picture that every knee shall bow, bow, every tongue shall confess is acknowledging. There is no one higher. He is King. He is Lord. Supreme authority. The idea of Lord here. Supreme authority. Master. Fully in, in full, full ownership, you know. Um, Revelation chapter 17, Revelation 19 both refer to him as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So, how do we respond to this? We, we realize, do we want to be a part of the earth that's shaking its fist at God and saying, we will have nothing to do with you? And by the way, you don't have to actually be shaking your fist. Just by saying you'll have nothing to do with him puts you in that camp. Anybody who says, I don't need Christianity, I don't need a crutch, I don't need this, I don't need that, basically is putting them in the camp of, 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 of self-determination in the sense of saying, no, I'm shaking my fist to God, I'll have nothing to do with that. But those who turn around and see it and understand there is a God, He has put a system in place, and, and the Son of God is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, how do we respond to that? And uh, I guess one of the things you could do would be just to even look on the back of our bulletin and, and see the, the Roman road talks about the fact that that reality, when you come to that conclusion that God is right and that, you, that, that you've missed the boat, so to speak, you're trying to figure him out, that's when you realize, oh, I'm a sinner. I've missed, uh, I, I, I don't have any hope. I'm helplessly, hopelessly lost. What do I do? Well, I rest in the free gift of God, his son. And, and Paul's very explicit about it in chapter 10. Uh, he tells us that we are to confess with our mouth and, and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is, is Lord. So there's our first response. We need to know the king who is the kingdom, king of the kingdom. The idea that Paul has with all of that is you put all of the teaching that Paul would put out together is to confess uh, with your with your your mouth believing your heart draws you to that point of, of what Peter talked about and, and, and even in Acts chapter two about you repent, baptize, and and, and you uh, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said at the Great Commission, as you become basically to paraphrase it, as you become a disciple, be baptized and then learn all the things that I have taught. That's seeking the kingdom of God. That's the process that it begins in, seeking the kingdom of God. And I put for myself uh, a reminder, Bob, you call me Lord, Lord, but you don't do what I tell you. That doesn't make sense, does it? If you think about who he is, king of kings, lord of lords, master of all Things. He is supremely in, in charge. There's no one higher. 
and I call him my Lord, and then I run off and do whatever I choose to do. It's inconsistent with what I've said. At that point, I'm not seeking his righteousness. I'm not seeking him. So I have to put that and just tuck it to the side. Remember, if you're going to call him Lord, serve him as as Lord. Acknowledge him as Lord and seek him as Lord with your words and your actions. I'm not sure if John MacArthur was the first one to say this because I found the I, it was a quote I had written down and it was it was from one of the uh, shepherds conferences, but I looked it up on you know one of those things you can type a quote on, online and, and, and I found it quoted in all sorts of other sermons and stuff like that. I was just trying to see who originated it, and I realized nobody. If, if, if it's John MacArthur, nobody's giving him credit for it. <laughs> and uh, if not, I have no idea. But anyway, uh, the, first, the, the furthest back I could go was with it was with John MacArthur. And it's, salvation is not a transaction, but a transformation. Salvation is not a transaction. It's not just a, if I do this, 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 and this, I'm saved. It's, I do this, 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 and God is now going to transform me. If, the, if, the, if this last part, transform me, isn't there, I'm pretty sure nothing else is either. Paul tells us that... that in order to seek after God, to honor Him, to glorify Him, we are to what? Offer ourselves as what? A living sacrifice. And, and with the idea of not to be like the world, but, be, but to be transformed. And the idea of being transformed is to be transformed into the likeness of Christ. Reminded quite often in, in Scripture as a person who is a believer, and, and I'll put it in one of the statements is made, is that we are in the world, but we're not of the world. That's the idea of this transformation. We, we're we here in, in the sense of, and, and, and therefore trying to get our identity. Why are we here for? To glorify God, to enjoy God, to seek after His kingdom to seek after His holiness. As a result, share with people and, 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 and disciple them in the things of, of Christ. Those who believe, bring them into the kingdom of God. You know, as they receive the kingdom of God, as they receive Christ, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and teach them. All of this is, is, is our primary purpose when we're seeking the kingdom of God. We're citizens of heaven. Citizens of the kingdom of God. Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, familiar verses uh, to us. Uh, the, the, we, we normally focus on the idea of God's grace and, and kindness towards us, the gift of God's grace in it to us. But I'd like to read the, 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 the ten verses of chapter 2, the first ten verses together. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. In other words, while you were shaking your fist at God and saying, I don't want anything to do with you, you're dead. That's the way you once walked, he says, in which you once you walked that way. Following the course of this world. Following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. That's the world shaking its fist at God. And, and he says, you're dead. You're seeking after the things of the flesh and nothing else. Um, but this idea is following the, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. And I was trying to think in terms of, 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 of 
this idea of, of, of you know, Satan and the reality that there's a, a battle going on with him in, 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 in the world. Uh, Paul says in, in Romans 7 that there's this battle between the spirit and, and the flesh. He mentions it again in Galatians. And the idea that, that, that we're at constant odds with, with each other, wanting to do what is right, but finding ourselves also desiring to do what is wrong. Ever find yourself in that position? Yeah, we all do. And, and so uh, Paul writes that, that, you know, wretched man that I am, at the end of Romans chapter 7, wretched man that I am, what am I going to do? And then he says, oh, but for Jesus Christ. Oh, Jesus Christ. I, I, I rest in Him. I'm going to find my strength from Him. We were children of wrath. We, you know, Paul, uh, John calls uh, Satan the prince of the world. Okay, uh, here he's the, you know, the idea is, is that there's two separate things going on here. There's the world under, and, and it's, it's basically, whether you choose it or not, it's outside of God. And if it's outside of God, it's under Satan. By the way, I, I do love this part. He's the prince. He's never called the king. One of the things that I'm confident of is at the cross, Satan was defeated. He has no authority of his own. He can't even torment. <laughs> and I know that we don't understand why God always allows it to happen, but he can't do anything without, without God's okay. Look at Job chapter 1. Or when, when Jesus is talking to Peter, he says, Satan's asked to sift you. He's got permission. <laughs> Implied. By the way, he's got permission. But after that, when you return to your, you know, and, and rest in me again, I want you to and, and take the leadership role here. I want you to do this. And, and I thought, you know, all of it is, is the reality is God and his sovereignty is, is over all things. But within the framework of his kingdom and, and the saints, uh, the, those who seek after him, and, you know, he is the king, and, and the rest of it will be judged and be gone. I'm not going to go into you know, all of that right now, but just the reality. I want you to be sure you understand the authority Satan has is limited. Yes, he's the prince of the power of the air, the prince of the world but only in as much as you're outside of Christ. Once you're inside of Christ, he's not prince to you in any way. He's not really, you know, you've got king, Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2. You know, he says, You were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Verse 4, But, God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared, before, uh, prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What a powerful picture. This is who we are, who we were, but this is now who we are. We were children of wrath, but now we're children of we were of the kingdom of the world, but now we're the kingdom of God. And we are to seek His kingdom and His righteousness. His righteousness, His holiness. The desire to say, this is the way God thinks and I want it to be the way I think. This is the way God sees things and I want it to be the way I see things. This is how God would touch and work and minister to something around me. I want to do it that way. And it has nothing to do, you can do this, it has nothing to do with being in the ministry as in this past has to do with being a priest of God in the ministry no matter where you are. 
Peter has a, a, a picture of this too uh, that, I, that I always enjoy just reading it. First um, Peter chapter 2, verse 9. You are a chosen race. This is who you are now. You were, you were a dead race. <laughs> now you're a chosen race. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people before his own possess, for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. In other words, even within the, the framework of, of, of the, the world that's outside of the, the body of Christ, outside the church, is, is to maintain a reputation that reflects God. In some cultures, you might be arrested for that. In other cultures, you might be executed for that. But it's an amazing thing that's happened all through history as there has been persecution and martyrdom. And those that actually are performing the persecution and the martyrdom, the ones that are, are, are doing the evil deeds, if you will, against the body of Christ, and, and frequently find themselves saying, wow, what an amazing faith. No matter what, they hang on to their King Jesus, their... Jesus, their Lord. Even in the throes of death, there's no way to pull him away. Now, through history, we have heard of many, many stories of men uh, who have stood at the cross or other places uh, in tradition and, 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 and stories of, of men in actual history that, that tell us that as they saw what happened, they turned around and said, it must be true. It must be real. Our witness, our testimony, is one that is seeking after the kingdom of God in whatever we're doing. Remembering that we are a royal priesthood, a, a chosen people, uh, a holy nation. Take you back to the to, to the end of, of, of Romans chapter seven again, just for a minute. Paul writes, "So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see my members another law waging war against the law of my mind." And making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind. With my flesh I serve the law of sin. But not to excuse it or, or any way distort that. The idea is, is that I'm seeking after the things of God. As a result of seeking after God, and, and the implication of that is that resting in His grace. He says, there is now no condemnation. Chapter 8, verse 1. For those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It says uh, also that we are, uh, that uh, when we receive the Holy Spirit, we receive the Spirit of Adoption. And it says, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. When I have someone ask me, how do I know that I'm saved? I will not assume that they are saved. Because I, I, I know that, that the Holy Spirit bears witness. There's something that happens that lets you know, I, I am in a relationship with God. If it's iffy, if it's questionable, and if you have doubts occasionally, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is, is the person that just simply never knows. I've talked to a number of people that say, I, 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 I don't know what to do. I just don't know if I'm saved because I actually I sinned over here. Paul addresses that. That's going to happen. What do we do when we sin? We repent. 
What does Christ say He'll do when we repent and confess our sins? He'll restore us. You seek the kingdom of God. God rests in In fact, the very fact that you're realizing, oh, this is sin, is a, is a blessing because the Holy Spirit is letting you see, oh, this is wrong. That might not have happened. In fact, it most likely would not happen if you didn't care. If you weren't resting in Christ. But as you, as you see this, the Holy Spirit comes through. He can, things that, that you would have done without a second thought as, as a child of wrath, as a child of God, you turn around and say, oh, man, I can't do that. You know? And it's not that I can't as much as, man, I don't want to do that anymore. It's a change of attitude. It's a transformation that's going on. That is part of this picture of, of seeking the kingdom of God. Knowing the king is the reality of knowing I am saved. The Holy Spirit has borne witness of that in me. And as a result, there's no condemnation in me. I rest in God's grace. I am, am I, And I'm joint heirs. Verse 17 of Romans chapter 8. And if I'm, children, if I'm a children of God, then I'm an heir. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. In other words, we stick to him thick and thin. I just look at all of this, and, 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 and of course, Romans goes on to, to, to just affirm the most awesome things. I'm not going to read it all, but just, uh, uh, I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We come from children of wrath to children of God with a promise. We are part of the kingdom of God. We are part of who He is and what He is doing. And He has invited us to participate with Him in His work. One of the verses in Romans chapter 8, it's one of those reassuring verses, Romans 8, 28, uh, is that we, we know that all things work together for, for our good. Not always do we see that initially, but we realize that if we sit here and rest in this truth. As a child of God, as an, and not a child of wrath, but as a child of God, He has promised that even the worst things that happen to me, He, as only He can do, turns it around and brings it into purpose and value within this kingdom work in shaping you and possibly others. My good friend uh, who died in the hospital of cancer, I was really upset about it. Uh, just couldn't see how God would, would let this person suffer and some drug pen king, you know, sit on a hilltop in Colombia and have anything and everything he ever wanted. And it was really bothering me. And my friend shared with me, but Bob, think of all the people I've got to share with over this time of illness. I've had captive audiences with doctors and nurses and orderlies. People would never have given me the time of day if I'd knocked on their door. God's using it. And after her death, I actually saw a couple of the results. Kathy and I witnessed a doctor and an orderly at, at, at Central Christian Church in, in San Jose come to the Lord that had been her doctor, her orderly. All things work together. We begin to acknowledge, I am a child of God. I am a, I'm part of the kingdom of God. I am I'm in a part of a, uh, a holy nation. And it's all through Jesus Christ. Very clearly, Paul points out in Ephesians, it's not through anything I have done. It's a gift from God. And as He's called me, as, he, as He's opened my eyes, opened my ears, gave Scripture to me through the Holy Spirit, gave me the ability to read Scripture and glean some of it. And you notice I said some of it. There's so much there to, to keep on, you know, never stop growing in it. And, and as a result, I, I, I realized I've got, my, I've got the Savior. King of kings, the Lord of lords, my Savior. I am so winning this. 
it's all because of what he chose to do for us. Again, that picture, helplessly, hopelessly blind. But he emptied himself, came to earth as a servant, as a man, even as one who would die on the cross where and, and the result would be his exaltation, re, re, restoration to King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Son of God in that picture of every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. That's at his second coming, I believe. And that just, you know, when we're long for, by the way, and I know I've said this often, but we need to be reminded often, when we're thinking about, and, and, and there's times where, where I'm, I'm I, you know, especially if I've just had a, a pity party <laughs> and I think, oh, Lord, come soon, you know, I'm, I'm tired. And then, and then I, I realized, Bob, you're, 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 all of this is to shape you and shape your family, shape everything. Okay, so there's good that's going to come out of this. And then the, the, the reality is supposed to sit in. The reason why I want the Lord to return more than any other thing is to see him exalted with every knee bowing, every tongue confessing. And I get to be a witness and participant in that from the kingdom of God's side because of went to the cross poured out his blood and purchased the covenant of grace. And on the cross he said it is finished. And it was. There's nothing I bring to the table but my broken heart over sin and recognizing him Confessing him with my mouth and believing in my heart. He's the son of God. He's the king of kings. He is my savior. Let's go to communion together. Ask the ushers to come pass out the communion. Hold it until we've all been served and we'll share it together.
supper he took bread and he gave thanks for it and he broke it and after breaking it he said to his disciples this is my body broken for you and the reality of looking at the bread is that we're to remember he came in the flesh God incarnate totally in the flesh 100% man yet totally God <laughs> it's amazing God man as it's referred to he told us that his flesh was being broken for us. As often as we would do this, we were asked to do it in remembrance of him. And then he took the cup. And I believe he would have been holding it up to him saying, this way. This is my blood. It's being poured out for you. It's to purchase the covenant of grace. He asked that we would drink it as often as we would gather together and as often as we would drink it to do it until he comes again. Father, we thank you that we can rest in a truth. Not just a hope, but a truth, a hope that is real and is absolute. You are the sovereign God, creator of the universe, author of our salvation. You are the King of kings, Lord of lords. You have put together the kingdom of God in such a way that we will be a part of it, joint heirs with Jesus, all of that tied together because of what you have done on the cross for us. We receive the gift of grace. We rest in it with confidence. In your words, it is finished. For anyone that is here this morning who doesn't have that confidence, we ask that through your Holy Spirit, you would, would, would just bring that, that confidence to, 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 to yield to and to fruition for them. And if there's anyone here who's not sure, have them ask someone before they leave. And uh, we just uh, love you so much. We thank you so much. We worship you. Thank you that we are children of God and, 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 and children of the kingdom part of a holy nation, all through you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, 
it seems appropriate to think about it this way, that if, you know, as we celebrate the idea of a kingdom of God and people who have made professions of faith and, and have entered in, uh, been baptized and, and all, that they're, that they're part of the family of God. And you are immediately a part of the family of God as soon as you confess Christ as your Savior. But there is a process, too, of becoming part of a believer's group, a believing group in, in the family of God. And as we have said over the years, we've been a little bit reluctant to, not reluctant, uh, dil- uh, we haven't been very good about uh, making sure that people would understand that they're a part of this body and they're part of this congregation. And one of the things that spells out was that you would you know, talk to the elders, confess, make a confession, and, and uh, acknowledge your baptism, and then ask to be part of the fellowship. And so uh, we've not opened the floor for a while uh, for that. And, and so if there's anybody that fills that uh, condition, that they've, they've talked to the elders, they've confessed Christ as their Savior and then baptized and would like to acknowledge this is their church home, we'd invite them to come forward, Mr. and Mrs. Schlurf. <laughs> and daughter. But uh, not to limit it to, any, to them, if there's anybody else that uh, this morning we wouldn't want to leave them out. This is no difficult process. It's just a simple question. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God? Have you confessed Him as your Savior? Do you desire to make this your home? Welcome. is that this has been their church home for some time, and they've been part of the congregation, obviously, and serving the Lord in, 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 in many different ways. And it seems redundant that we do this, but we want to be consistent with the bylaws. We hadn't been, so we are being. And uh, thank you for your patience with us. 